0: All right, get your Bibles out, open them to John. I know I say this uh, almost every week, but uh, I find it super helpful not to read your Bible on your phone, especially during a lesson, because of distractions and notifications and all of that. I'm going to challenge you, 20 minutes without your phone. Can you do it? Can you stay locked in for 20 minutes? The plan for tonight is we're going to do a lesson in John 5, and then we're going to do three or four songs. Uh, Becca Mohan is singing for us tonight. Becca Mohan, give it up for Becca. One of my favorite things to see in the worship band is all the kids that are getting involved. So uh, I'm really proud of those of you that have gone through the process and are working with the band, and they're just really impressed with you guys. So. Uh, I pointed out Eric in the back and he, when I became a pastor, he was kind of a new believer and we kind of, I grew as a pastor together as he kind of grew as a Christian together and I remember in the commons one day, I walk in and Eric has his Bible opened and there are commentaries and dictionaries and printed off articles everywhere in the commons, like it's a whole table full of stuff and I said, what in the world are you doing? And he said, my friend at the fire station wants to read the Bible with me, and so I'm just preparing. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way, like this much study, just to read the Bible with his friend. And as a good pastor, I was like, stop studying. Is that a good pastor? I don't know if it was good or not, but it worked out. I said, what if you just did this? So his his friend's name is Dave, and Dave was a high school buddy, is that right? High school football teammate. And I said, what if you did this? What if you just read through John, and you took that kind of first section of John that said the Word became flesh, like God became a human being, and you said, let's just read this book of the Bible. And as it describes Jesus, ask yourself, what do you think of, if Jesus is God, what do you think about God? And Dave kind of like, Dave is a stud, and now, I mean, now has been a Christian for, I mean, since this Bible study, he serves at Redemption Gateway. He does counseling at Gateway. Um, but Dave had this saying that he'd always tell Eric, he'd say, like, well, my God wouldn't approve of that. Well, my God this. Well, my God wouldn't do that. Or my God thinks this. And Eric challenged, have you guys ever heard that before? Somebody say that? Well, my God would never do that. And Eric challenged him and said, like, how do you know? Based on what? Like, what text does it say that your God is this? And Dave kind of was confronted with this idea of, like, I've made up a God. It's just kind of based on my feelings. And so he, so he entered into a Bible study with Eric. And I really want to use that to launch us into the study tonight in 5, in John 5. Because as Eric and I were reading John together this week, he was like, man, I get it. I get why Dave fell in love with Jesus in this study. And so I'm going to pray And then I'm going to teach, and I'm going to hope that we fall in love with Jesus in this study tonight. So can we pray together? Father, we invite your uh, Holy Spirit to work tonight. Um, I pray you would quiet our souls, I pray um, against distractions and cell phones and conversations that might pop up, and Lord, just give us 20 minutes of you help us to see you in a new way, and I pray for me that you would refresh my soul. I pray for these kids that you would uh, reignite a fire inside of them. Lord, that we would leave this place ready to roll, like ready for mission, and that we would not see this as boring, but the most exciting thing we could ever be a part of, and I truly believe that's true. I pray it would come through as we, as we study John tonight. I pray in Christ's name, amen. All right, as we are flipping through just a review of John, I want you to put yourself in Dave, Dave's uh, fireman, Dave, in his shoes as he's reading the Bible. And it says this beginning, uh, John opens up and it says, the word became flesh, that this word that existed in the beginning, that created everything. The word is the light to the world. It brings order out of chaos. It brings light into darkness. And this light has come into the world. It's put on flesh. And immediately, he starts picking teams. And Dave loved that he just kind of picked blue-collar guys. Like, he didn't pick the elite and the smartest and the most godly. He picked average Joes. And then he shows up at a party. And this Wedding feast, this uh, couple is about to be totally shamed in their culture. They ran out of wine, and there Jesus is using his superpowers to like save them from shame. And the next thing we see is that he goes to the temple, and the temple was mistreating foreigners, outsiders, and he w- they were exploiting and making money off of people in worship. And Dave was like, that's messed up. And he loved to see that Jesus went straight into that temple, and he set things in order. And he called out those people that were hurting the poor people. And then he went into Samaria, and Samaria is like the wrong part of town. You guys know what I'm talking about? I listened to Josh's uh, sermon this week, and it was great. The idea of Samaria is the place that you go around. You don't go through Samaria. They're gross. They're evil. They're like an ethnic hybrid. They weren't supposed to intermarry, and they weren't worshiping God correctly. And Jesus goes right into that neighborhood. And not only that, but he crosses a boundary, and he talks to a woman, and not just a woman, but a woman who was stuck in sin. She was addicted to her sin, and that's who Jesus is going after, and Dave loved it. And then the official's son, we didn't get to, I don't think Josh got to it at the end of his sermon, but the official's son is someone from Capernaum, where Jesus lived most of his days, and this official is kind of like the Roman official, the Roman government in Capernaum, where Jesus was. And this royal official never wanted anything to do with Jesus. He was there with Jesus every day. Now, I told you I got to go to Israel. Capernaum is about the size of our church campus. So do you think this royal government official knew Jesus who was doing all these miracles in this small little town? Yes, he knew him. And he wanted nothing to do with Jesus until his son was sick. And then he's begging Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus is merciful and he heals him. And Dave's looking at this and like flipping the pages like, I, if, if my God put on flesh, I would want him to be exactly like Jesus. And those were the first words when Eric and I would debrief each week where it was like, I think Dave's fallen in love with Jesus. So we're going to pick up after, after that story about the, centur- the, uh, the government official's son being healed by Jesus, and we're going to pick up. In verse, in verse 1 of chapter 5, and it says this. After that happened, the son was healed. Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the Pool of Bethesda with five colonnade-covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Then Jesus saw him, and he knew he'd been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Jesus, once again, we flip the page. And where is Jesus going? He went to Samaria, and now he's going into what today would be like our homeless shelter. Okay? Has anyone been in a homeless shelter? So, a homeless shelter, and um, Eric describing it, has a smell to it, right? There's a smell of urine, there's people that are sick, there's people that are mentally ill. There's people that are physically ill. Um, it's a sad place to be. And the pool of Bethesda was basically this, outside the walls of the city. Now, when I got there, it was amazing because the pool of Bethesda was still there. And so I get to, like, look into this pool. And we, we realized, and the guide told us, it's a separate spring from the, under the ground that fills the pool, and it goes out of the city. And then the other water gets kind of channeled from somewhere else into the city, and that's what they drink, and that's what they use for bathing. But this spring was for people who were sick. So if you were sick, you got outside the city, and we don't want you jumping in our water system, what we drink and wash in, so you got to be in the pool of Bethesda. So literally, everyone around this pool is an outcast. You are not allowed in here. And so here's this man, it's, it's a big pool, and it's surrounded by sick people, and here's this man that's not even getting into the water. Now, there was, you say, why, why is this thing about healing and the water bubbling up? So there was a pagan god, and I can't pronounce the name, but it's a Greek god, and it's where we get the word hygiene, like cleaning. But that god basically, the, the, the myth was when the water bubbled up, that was hygiene, this angel or this God that was stirring the waters. And so it was this pagan idea of healing. And so if you jumped in and you were the first one when the waters are being stirred, then you might have got healed. So Jesus comes up to him and he asks him, Do you want to get well? I got three questions that I want to ask you. And Caden, if you're back there or somebody, the three questions I have about Jesus is these three things. What is he like? Who does he love? And what is he doing? And we're going we're gonna to revisit these at the end. What is Jesus like? Jesus is not a show. Jesus is not showtime, okay? Because when this man is asked, who did this to you? Who healed you? He didn't even know his name because Jesus just kind of did it and walked away. Jesus is not motivated by show. He's motivated by compassion, It's interesting, it says that Jesus saw him. Did you guys pick up on that? Jesus saw him. Now, I want you to think about the homeless shelter. And maybe you haven't been in the homeless shelter, but you've probably been around someone who is, who smells. Maybe someone who smells like urine. Maybe someone who is homeless and looks very different. Uh, maybe someone on the street who's asking for money or standing on the corner. How hard is it to see them? And when I say see them, to like look at them and make eye contact with them. Our natural instinct is like, that's hard. I don't know what to do. That's complicated. That's dirty. I'm gonna keep my head straight ahead. God put on flesh and we can see what he's like. And what Jesus does is he looks at them. He sees, he goes into the homeless shelter, the sick ward, and he sees this man. Jesus is a God of compassion. Now, we say something like this, my God is a God who helps those who help themselves. Have you guys heard that before? God helps those who help themselves. That's a bumper sticker. That's, that's Dave saying, my God is a God who. In this story, is that true? True. God helps those that help themselves. What is this man doing for 38 years? He's given up on even trying to get in the pool. Right? Jesus asked the question, Do you want to get well? So we can't say our God is a God who helps those that help themselves. Sure, that we can unpack that saying and where it comes from. There might be some validity. But we know this that God, what is he like? He's a God that is drawn to people who are helpless, who are desperate. And our God is not weak. With words, he has supernatural power. Now, some of you, do any of you have atheist friends? I'm guessing you guys have atheist friends. You have maybe some atheist teachers. Maybe we talk about the Big Bang Theory, right? All right. Scientists and atheists believe in the supernatural. Okay? The Big Bang is not natural. Natural. If you ask any atheist, do you believe out of naturally occurring laws of physics, there's nothing, and then bang, there's something? And all of them would say, that is not natural. That is above nature. That is supernatural. The Big Bang Theory is supernatural phenomenon. Now, we'd say, like I would say, I'm okay with the Big Bang Theory. Okay. I think Jesus spoke and the world was created. Now, I know how loud thunder is, and that's just like a little spark of electricity in the clouds, and that's a big bang. I'm guessing if the supernatural thing that the atheists say happened, that the world was not here and then it came into existence, and we say there was something behind, unseeable, that spoke and made that happen, that that thing would probably be pretty loud when God spoke it into existence. So, the fact that we say, people throw out the Bible and say, I don't believe the Bible because there's this supernatural stuff. Jesus says a word and somebody's healed. I don't believe it. And yet, everyone seems to believe when it comes to the creation of our world, even the Big Bang atheists would believe there's something supernatural, something unseen that is able to supersede nature. What is he like? He's compassionate, he goes to those people who are hurting. And he has power. Now, who does he love? Who does Jesus love? Nobody. Correction. (laughs) Vanessa's head was like, what? Jesus loved a nobody. The person that the world said has no value. They have no value. He is 38 years sat not able to go to the bathroom, not able to take himself to go to the bathroom. Like, he is sitting in his own waste, not able to get into the pool to take a bath. For 38 years, the world goes, he's invaluable. And yet, the creator, who does he love? He loves the nobody. Which means this, everybody has value. Now, I would ask you to kind of think through at your school, like, Who is the nobody? If Jesus entered your school, like who is the nobody that Jesus would go after? The one that the school maybe, and maybe your friends would say is useless. Instead, I'd love you to use this language. She's at the bottom of the J curve. She's not useless. She's at the bottom of the J curve. I'm not useless. Some of you struggle to say like, I'm useless. I don't have value. You're at the bottom of the J curve. And if you guys were here for the J-curve, we know this. At the bottom of the J-curve is when you meet who. Who's at the bottom of the J-curve? Jesus. That in my humility and desperation is where Jesus finds me. And what comes after that? A resurrected life. A new life. The third thing is, what is Jesus doing? My short answer is this. He's bringing the future into the present. And you're like, what in the world does that mean? And that's why I had these hoops up here. He's bringing the future into the present. Let me explain real quick. Now, I did not have a diagram, so we got these light up. I think that'll work. That's better than the diagram I was going to do. Uh, so here's how it works. In the Bible, there is this... Uh, there's something called the old age, okay? It's the age we currently live in. Now, the old age is a time period that is defined by sin and brokenness and rebellion. The blind, the lame, uh, the oppressor, uh, poverty, hunger, death, slavery to sin, like this sounds pretty positive, right? This is how the Bible describes the old age. But there is a prophecy that through Abraham's family, someday a Messiah is going to come, okay? Now, if you can imagine, like kind of how this diagram works is this is a timeline. So it's like working that way towards the future. In the old age, and they're all looking forward to a Messiah or a king that God is going to send. And he's going to usher in on what's called the day of the Lord. Has anyone ever heard of the day of the Lord? He's going to usher in an eternal kingdom, And this eternal kingdom brings healing. The blind will see. The lame will walk. The poor will be set free. The oppressed will be delivered. Like the hunger, they will all have their own food. Everyone will have their own house. There will be no homeless. Everything that's wrong in the old age that sin has cursed and broken in the age to come will be healed It's a future of healing, and every Jew would be longing for the Messiah to come and bring the day of the Lord. Remember we talked about John the Baptist? Jesus said, John the Baptist was the greatest man ever to be born of a woman. And John the Baptist could not figure this out, what we just did right here, because John the Baptist is the one in the old age that is saying, everybody get ready. Who's coming? Messiah is coming. Get dunked in the water, cleanse yourself, get prepared, he's coming. And then where does John the Baptist end up? Does anyone know? Yell it out. On a plate. On a plate. That wasn't the answer what I was expecting, but that is exactly correct. John the Baptist is in prison, and they behead him, and they present his head on a plate to the king, right? Now, before he died in prison, he had his disciples. He's in prison. He thinks, Jesus is coming. All of this is going to be renewed, and yet he's in the prison, and he's facing death, and he tells his disciples, hey, Jace, go ask Jesus. Is he really the one... Or are we waiting for somebody else? Why do you think John? John was so certain that Jesus was the one, and yet now that he's in prison, he's like, I don't know. It doesn't look like the age to come is coming. And Jesus sends word, he's healing all these people. And, and they come up and they ask him, and John says, Hey, or Jesus says to John's disciples, tell them this: the lame are walking, the blind are seeing. The poor are having good news preached to them. Just tell John that, and he'll know what I'm talking about. What Jesus is doing is he is bringing, he's bringing the kingdom of God, heaven on earth, and he's bringing it into reality, into this age. Now, if I was going to draw this, I would, I would overlap them, but I'm going to try this, see if this works. This is the new reality. Right? It's not as bit of a moment as I thought it would be. Just kidding. I didn't think that was a moment. All right. Jesus is ushering in on this timeline. He's beginning the kingdom of God. Jesus says the kingdom of God is now on earth in the presence of Jesus. Let's continue in the story. But this miracle that he did... Did I finish all my questions? Yes. What is he doing? He's bringing the future into the present. This miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow it. You can't carry a sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing, they demanded. And the man didn't know because Jesus had disappeared in the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Hey, now you're well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. There's three characters in the story that we're going to look at. There's this Pharisees, there's the, the, the man, and then there's Jesus. Now, Jesus is the light of the world. The man is the man. So if Jesus is the light. In this timeline, the light has come into the world. The man represents the one who has been, in, has been touched by the light. How is he feeling right now? 38 years of sitting in your own waste, haven't walked in 38 years, and you pick up your mat, how does that feel? Like if you're going to put a hashtag next to it. Hashtag blessed. Perfect. Man, you guys should answer more because every time you guys answer, it's amazing. Hashtag blessed. I cannot think of a better way that this guy is feeling than hashtag blessed. Jesus is hashtag bringing the kingdom into the world, and he touches this man, and he's hashtag blessed. Now, if he's hashtag blessed, what are the Pharisees? Now, if the Pharisees were a mom on Instagram and put like 20 hashtags on there, right, they would be like, hashtag, oh, no, he didn't. Hashtag closed on Sunday. Hashtag Chick-fil-A. Hashtag angry. Hashtag ticked. Hashtag, right, isn't that how moms do it? Hashtag who told you that you could pick up your mat on Sunday. All right, these guys are ticked. There's three characters. Jesus, light of the world, man that was touched the light, hashtag blessed, And then Pharisees are ticked. They're resistant. And it says that they began to persecute Jesus from that moment. They began to try and kill Jesus for what? Healing a man. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus. Let me back up. This man doesn't know it's Jesus. Okay? How does he know it's Jesus? Because Jesus kind of came around and asked him, hey, he doesn't ask him, but he goes, I'm checking on you. You're well now. That's great. He does a physical check-in. How are you doing? You're doing good. Good. And then what does he say? Now stop sinning. He does a physical check-up, like I'm glad you're doing well, and then he does a spiritual check-up, and he goes, hey, you got to repent. you got to turn from that sin. This man, is he tattling? Because he tells the Pharisees it was Jesus, and then they they begin to plot the death of Jesus. Is the man tattling on Jesus? And I thought this, like, what's up with that, man? Like, these guys are trying to harass, and then they go, hey, that's the guy that healed me, and then they go and they try and kill him. Like, what's up with that? This man is so hashtag blessed. He cannot keep it to himself. Like, he wants to tell somebody who did this to them. And that's how new believers are, really. Those of you that are new believers, don't don't lose that. That, like, this is what Jesus did, and I want to tell everybody. And Jesus, what does he do? Jesus says this, and I'm going to speed it up. Jesus says, I'm working because my Father's working. You guys ever hear people say, like, hey, I went on a trip, and they say, oh, was it business or pleasure? And they go, oh, it was business, right? Right? They just asked Jesus like, hey, Sabbath or working? Are you working or was it Sabbath? And he says, my dad is on a business trip and he sent me on his business trip. And what is the business of Jesus? What's the business of Jesus? Dad sent him on a business trip. I'm going to earth for God so loved the world that he sent his son on a business trip. He's working on earth, and what is he doing? He's recreating the world. He's bringing healing to everything that was broken. So Jesus explained I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing on His own, He does only what He sees His Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, he says, the father will show him how to do even greater works than what you're seeing here today. Then you will truly be astonished. Julie, I mean, uh, Julie didn't say this. That's my wife. She didn't say this. This is Jesus. Jesus said, the business trip is going to get better. You see healing. But this is going to be worldwide. The plan that God has revealed to his son is Worldwide. Let me explain this diagram, and then I'm going to ask us some questions. This is the new diagram. Jesus has ushered into the world the kingdom of God. All things put right. Now we say, like, where does that exist on the world? Where in the world? Look look up at me. Where in the world do you see all things put right? Nowhere, right? Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a vine. And when his body went into the ground, he says it's like a seed. And what has come up in the resurrection is like a vine, and it has begun to grow in creation. That people are beginning to come alive again. And John says later that, or Jesus says it later in John, that if we are attached to this vine, which is the kingdom of God that sprouted from the resurrection, if we attach ourselves to Jesus, what comes out of us? Does anyone know? You guys are like two for two on these answers. Good fruit. What is this fruit? How would you describe it? It's the fruit of the kingdom. You go, what is heaven gonna be like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Self-control, healing, everyone's fed, nobody is left behind. It's all love. It's all harmony. What is the fruit of the Spirit? It's the exact same list. Jesus has started a revolution. Now, my kids are going to laugh because I've been a little bit obsessed with Kanye's album. A little bit. And the girls at the house on Sunday night were asking me, what's your favorite Kanye song? And I said, God is, right? And there's this line, it says, Jesus, uh, this is not a dead religion, fill in the blank. Jesus started, anyone know? A revolution. Did somebody get it? Caroline, she's the one that just turned red, so I'm guessing. Jesus started this revolution, and guess what? At the end of this passage, he says this. Someday, he's going to get rid of this red circle, and I'm holding them still because they're going to swing all over the place. Someday, this day is coming. On the timeline, look at this. What happens on the timeline when we reach this day? Jesus returns, and he gets rid of the old age, and it's all love. Do you guys understand? Now, here's what you need to know, is Jesus makes a claim that the, father, the Father's business that he gave him to do was to bring life from death, but also, this is an important one, is to judge And you go, wait a sec, a few weeks ago, Brian, you said, I did not come to condemn, but I came to save. And now you're saying Jesus is going to judge. Jesus, if we have a courtroom, who is condemning? He's the, uh, the one that's, uh, that's trying to prove that you're guilty, right? That's the one condemning you. Jesus is listening to it. He is the one that decides life or death. And do you know what it's going to be based on? Here's what Jesus said in this passage. He said, for those that have done good, for those that have lived in the Jesus way, they will receive the kingdom of God. And those that have rejected the Son and have continued in the old age evil ways will be judged. And you might go, wait a sec, I thought I just had to pass a test that said Jesus saves, and I got into heaven. Our faith in a confession, we say it's just a belief. In the Bible, the Bible talks about faith and belief as something that impacts every part of my life. So I say, Jesus is king, and then I don't live for him. The Bible says, you don't believe Jesus is king. Jesus is king means that although I'm sinning, I'm repenting and I'm chasing and I'm doing and I'm living in this new kingdom way. Last slide and we're done. As we live in the overlap, the kingdom of God is here in us and yet it's not yet, the old age is not yet gone. What are we like? The best answer, we are are like Jesus. Jesus said this, just as God sent me into this world, now I am sending you. We are on the business trip. Do you guys understand? This is not like, hey, let's go get the most toys. You are on Jesus' business trip. The Father has brought you into the plan. He's revealed it, and he's given the Holy Spirit so... That you bring this life to Perry High School. You bring this life to Mesquite. You bring this life to the guy or the gal that is checking your bags at the grocery store. You bring this life to everyone you come in contact with, from the nobody to the somebody. Who do we love? The world. Jesus, even when he's in a fight with these Pharisees, says this, I'm telling you this so that God would save you. Even his enemies, Jesus is trying to give him life. And the third thing is, what are we doing? Like, what are we here for? You're going to get before the throne of heaven someday. And you say, God, I pursued life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I said the pledge. I covered my heart. I sang the song. I watched the football game. I got the grades. I made the team. I won the award. I had followers. I had a good job. I made some money. I got married. I had some kids. I had good kids. I drive a nice car. I pay my taxes. I keep my nose clean. I keep my lawn looking good. I go to church and I read my Bible. That's not the business trip. That's the American dream. Are you in the partnership? Are you on the trip? And all I'm gonna say is this, in every area of your life where you have, it doesn't mean you have to give up the football. It means you bring the kingdom of God to football. You bring the kingdom of God to your math class, to your interaction with everybody. This is the business trip that Jesus came on, and this is the trip that he's sent us on. And then I'm going to quote Kanye one more time because I just have to. It's not a show, Caroline. You don't know this one? It's a mission. I kind of sounded like him there, didn't I? No, I didn't. Let me pray. And uh, Becca and Patrick and going to come up and lead us in worship. Father God, you have come to this earth on a mission. You have sent your son and he has loved us and he has brought us into the kingdom. Lord, you have given your Holy Spirit to all of those who've called on the name of the Lord. And that spirit is growing like a vine in these kids. Love and joy and peace and patience and happiness and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control Lord, all of it is sprouting up in these kids, but it's for a purpose. It's for the purpose of bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that we are like the healed man who is telling everybody what Jesus has done. And I pray we are like Jesus, and we are going to the nobodies to bring them good news. God, I pray that you would do that by the power of your Holy Spirit and for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.